this morning. If you can't get pumped up seeing that, something's wrong with you today. Man, I am excited about this brand new series that we're starting today called Strong Man. Everybody look at your neighbor, flex your muscle, show them your muscle and just tell them, Strong Man, man. I am excited about this series because here's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to be talking to the men in this series. Do I have any men in the house today? Come on. Do I have any strong men in the house today? Can I just hear a little grunt like a man grunt like, right, right? We're going to be talking to the men and we're going to be talking about man stuff. I'm telling you, no sissy stuff in this series. We're not going to be having any manies and petties. We're not going to be talking about Downton Abbey. I'm talking We're talking about guy stuff, man stuff, like bros and beards and barbecue and blood. You know what I'm talking about, guy stuff in this series, and it's going to be a great, great series. Now, ladies, I don't want you to feel left out because I guarantee you in this series, there's going to be some stuff that you're going to learn as well. But even more than that, ladies, I'm going to make your man a better man in this series. Can I hear an amen from the ladies? here today. And I'm telling you what, in this next in this next 4 weeks, we are going to learn what it means to be a strong man of God. And I'm excited as we lead up to 4 weeks from today will be Father's Day. On Father's Day weekend, we're going to have a strong man weekend on that Saturday. I'm excited about that day. We're going to have some worship and some teaching. We're going to have a strong man competition, a bunch of other competitions. We're going to grill and barbecue and do all kinds of man stuff and then on Father's Day, Sunday, I'm believing God that the front of this room is going to be filled with men who are going to stand up and declare with a resolution that I will be the strong man of God that God has called me to be. Now, some of you may remember we did something like this a couple of years ago in the Warrior Series. Some of you took the Warrior Resolution, and some of you are living that out daily, and I'm so proud of you. That's so cool. Some of you, maybe you've kind of slipped a little bit in some of those areas, this would be a great opportunity for you to re-up on your commitment. Those of you that have been living it out, it'd be a great opportunity for you to just pass that mantle on to some other men who maybe weren't here a couple of years ago who are going to step up in this challenge and you're going to say, I will be the man of God that God has called me to be, a strong man. Come on, everybody say strong man. Because here's the deal. As I look around in society today, as I look around in churches today, I look around and I see that there are not nearly enough strong men of God today. In fact, this is not a new problem. This is something that's been happening for years and years and years. The same problem was happening way back in the Old Testament when God said to Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, God says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on my behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. God said, I looked for a strong man of God. I looked for a man of integrity. I looked for a man who would stand up, a man who would seek me, a man who would lead his family, a man who would be a spiritual leader, a man who would build a wall, a man who would stand in the gap. And I looked and I found nobody. 
And I wonder today if God looked around in our society, if God looked around in churches across America today, I wonder how many strong men of God he would find. And I dare to say the answer is not enough. But I believe it's time to change all that. I believe it is time that we become men of God, that we become men of integrity, that we become men who will stand up and fight for what's right. I believe that there are some men in this house today. I believe there are some strong men of God in this house today, men who will stand up and say, I'll be a man of faith. I'll be a man of courage. I'll be a man of integrity. I'll be a man who will fight for my family, who will be the spiritual leader. I'll be the husband that God has called me to be. I'll be the father that God has called me to be. I'll step up and I'll stand in the gap. I will be that man. In fact, it reminds me of what Henry Varley once said to a young, a young preacher named Dwight L. Moody. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do through one man whose heart is totally surrendered unto him. And Moody declared, I will be that man. I wonder this morning if there are some men in this place who will stand up and say, I will be that man. I will be a strong man of God. And over this next four weeks, we're going to talk about what does it take to be a strong man? What does it take to be a strong man of God? And we're going to look at the life of this guy. This guy, you know him well, the guy with the long hair and the big muscles. No, not Hulk Hogan, the other guy. We're going to look at the life of a guy named Samson. Everybody say Samson. And then we're going to study his life, and we're going to see some of the mistakes that he made, and we're going to learn what it takes to be a strong man. And many of you know a little bit about Samson. If you don't, I encourage you to go and study it in the Bible. In fact, we find it in the book of Judges, chapters 13 through 16. Guys, I would encourage you over this next couple of weeks to just begin to read through Judges 13 through 16. We're also going to be studying through this powerful book by one of my favorite pastors and speakers and authors, a guy named Craig Groeschel. In fact, a lot of what you'll hear me say and teach, I've heard from this guy or I've read from this guy. Powerful, powerful, uh, powerful stuff from this book called Fight. Everybody say fight. How many know men that we are called to fight? In fact, the reason that we are strong men is so that we can fight, not fight with each other or fight with our spouse or fight with our friends or our kids, but so that we can fight for each other and fight for our spouse and fight for our family and for our friends and for the kingdom of God. And I would encourage you to go and pick up this book. You can get it anywhere. They sell books. You can get it on your phone even or Amazon or any of that kind of stuff and read along with us as we study through the life of this strong man named Samson. Now, a lot of you know a lot about Samson, but we're going to really dig deep into his life over this next few weeks. And, and let, let's just set it up here for you a little bit this morning. The Israelites had been disobedient to God, and because of their disobedience, God allowed them to actually come under the rule of the Philistines. And they had been under the rule of the Philistines for, for years and years until finally God said, enough is enough. You've learned your lesson. It's time for you to come out from under the rule of the Philistines. He says, I'm going to raise up a man. How many know that when God wants something done, he always raises up a man? He says, I'm going to raise up 
a man. In fact, an angel of the Lord appeared to this young couple who was unable to conceive. And he spoke to the couple and said, you will conceive and you will have a son and his name will be Samson. And he will be a special man. In fact, he will be a man that will be set apart. Everybody say set apart. He'll be a man who will be set apart. In fact, I will anoint him and I will give him supernatural strength and he will lead my people out from under the rule of the Philistines. But there are some conditions. In fact, this man will be set apart and he will take what is known as the Nazarite vow. Now, if you don't know what the Nazarite vow is, you can actually read about it in Judges chapter 7. The Nazarite vow was was really uh, something that a person would commit themselves to that would basically say, I will be set apart for the work of God. It was actually a way that someone who was not a priest could actually set themselves apart for God. And the Nazarite vow, it basically had three rules that went along with it. The first one is this, is that the person that took the Nazarite vow, like Samson, was to never drink alcohol, was to uh, never touch anything that was dead, and was to never cut their hair. Now you say, what's the deal with the long hair thing? Did he have a mullet or something? I don't know. The deal with the long hair thing was that it's almost kind of like baptism. When you get baptized, you're telling the whole world, man, I'm set apart for God. And so when people would see Samson or they would see this guy with this long hair in that culture, they would know exactly what it was, that this was a man who had taken a vow, who had said, I will set myself apart for God. And God said, if you will set yourself apart for me, then I will anoint you in a special way and I will give you you supernatural strength. And that's exactly what we saw that happened in Samson. In fact, Samson was one of the strongest men who ever lived. I mean, some of the feats of strength that he did through the spirit working through him were just incredible. He killed a thousand Philistines with just a donkey's jawbone. I mean, he ripped apart a lion with his own bare hands. This guy took the gates of a city and carried them up on his back up a big old giant hill. I mean, this guy was a a very, very strong man. And yet, even with all of Samson's strength, he had some weaknesses. In fact, if you could characterize Samson's life in one statement, it might be something like this. Samson was an incredibly strong man with a very dangerously strong will. Perhaps maybe like some men that are in this room today. Some of you here today that God has a plan for your life. He has a calling upon your life. He has gifted you with incredible strength to lead, to be incredible men. He has given you talents and abilities and the potential of your life, the strength of your life is it can soar to great heights. And yet so many men who have such incredible gifts and talents and strengths and yet so many times we can be incredibly and dangerously weak. In fact, some of you here today, man, you're gifted leaders. You are a type A leader. And when you're at work, man, you're the leader. You take charge. You make things happen. But then you go home and you're incredibly passive and you just sit back and watch 
things happen. Others of you are here this morning, and, and, and man, you'll spend hours researching online for that new rod and reel that you want to buy, or that new golf club that you, that you want so bad, or that trip that you want to take so bad, but you won't spend five minutes reading your Bible. Some of you men here today, you're incredibly committed to your career and to climbing that ladder or committed to your hobby and yet you won't commit to a woman. And Samson was a man with an, incredibly, with an incredible strength and yet a really dangerously weak will. I want to talk about this for just a few minutes this morning. If you have your notes, I just want to talk about three attitudes that we see in Samson that make strong men become weak. If you're taking notes, why don't you write this first one down this morning. The first attitude is the attitude of lust. And the attitude of lust goes like this. It says, I want it. Everybody say, I want it. See, when we have an attitude of lust, here's what happens. is, is I see it, I want it, and I will do anything I can do to get it. How many men know what I'm talking about? And man, so many men, this is exactly the way that we live. In fact, this is what got Samson in trouble. I see it, I want it, and here's what happens. When we have an attitude of lust, guys, here's, here's what will happen. We will see something and we'll want it so bad that we will forget about all logic in order to get it. How many know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we don't care about what it's going to cost. We don't care about the consequences. Man, I see that woman, or I want that hit, or I want that sexual thrill, or I want that advancement in my career, or I see that new boat or that new car, and I just have to have it, and I forget about everything else in order to get it. It's an attitude of lust. I want it. And that's exactly what we see happen In Samson, in Judges chapter 14 and verse number 1, look what it says. It says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman is in Timnah and caught my eye. And I want to marry her. Get her for me. Now check this out. I mean, first of all, Samson shouldn't have even been in Timnah. In fact, Timnah was enemy territory. That's where the Philistines were. And he shouldn't have especially been looking at Philistine women because God had already spoken and said, you are not to marry. My people are not to marry, intermarry with anyone who does not worship me. But here we find here we find Samson. He's in a place where he shouldn't be looking at things that he shouldn't be looking at. And a woman catches his eye and he has an attitude of lust. I see it, I want it, and I will pursue it with reckless abandon until I get it. And I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what God says. I don't care what my mom says or what my dad says. Or I don't care what's right or what's wise. I see it and I want it and I will do anything that I can to get it. And isn't that what gets men in trouble over and over and over again. A lustful eye. A lustful attitude. I see it. I see the neighbor's got a new car. And I just have to go over there and check it out. So I got to get in there and rev it up a little bit. And then I get that new car smell, right? 
And then I got to go, you know, hey, I just test drive and just got to check it out. Just let's just go test drive. If you were not going to buy anything, but then that new car stuff gets all over you and you just can't help it. And I seen it and I want it and I have to have it. And I don't care that the payments are $700 a month. And I don't care that I can't really afford it. And I don't care that I'm going to be paying on this thing for the next seven and a half years. And I don't care that I'm going to pay three times what it's really worth in interest. I see it and I have to have it and I want it and I don't care. I'm not even thinking about the stress that it's going to bring on my life as I'm paying that payment years and years down the road after it's already starting to fall apart and it's worth half what what I'm still owing on it. How many know what I'm saying? I see it, and I want it, and I, and I lose all logic, and I lose all sense of consequences, because I see it, and I want it. It's a lustful attitude. I see it, I want it, I have to have it, and I will do anything I can do to get it. Man, do you understand what I'm talking about? You're flipping through the channels. Nobody else is around. Just looking through a magazine, just surfing on the internet. I see a woman... She's in a bikini. She looks nice. I want it. Not thinking about the vow that I made to my wife, the way that it'll make her feel, or the way my children would feel about me if they saw what I was doing and what I was looking at. I see it and I want it. I lose all sense of logic and consequences. I just have to have it. It's an attitude of lust. Number two. Look at this attitude that Samson has. It's an entitled attitude, an attitude of entitlement. Everybody say entitlement. And here's how entitlement goes. It doesn't say, I want it. Here's what it says. It says, I deserve it. Man, if you knew my life, I worked so hard, I got a tough life, and I've had bad stuff happen to me that I didn't deserve. And besides that, God wants me to be happy, right? Like, that's his whole purpose for my life, is for me to be happy. How many know it's not God's purpose for your life to be happy? But that's what we tell ourselves. Oh, that God just, God wants me to be happy, and he'd want me to have it, and I deserve it, because I work so hard, and my life is so tough, and it's an entitled attitude. In fact, that's what we see with Samson. Check this out in Judges 14, verse 8. It says, later when Samson returned to Timnah from the wedding, he turned off the path. That's so important there. He gets distracted. He turns off the path to look at a carcass of the lion. Now, this was the lion that he had earlier ripped apart with his bare hands. He turns off to go look at the lion. And look what it says. And it says, and he found a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. And so he scooped out some of the honey into his hands and he ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and his mother and they ate it. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Now check this out. Samson gets distracted. He gets off the path. How many know, guys, this is what gets us in trouble over and over and over when we get our eyes off of our purpose, when we get distracted from where we should be going and what we should be doing. He gets off the path and he thinks, I'm going to go check out that lion that I ripped apart. I'm going to just go see it. In fact, it was kind of like a prideful attitude, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And he goes over and he sees the lion there. And he sees that there's, that there's some bees that have made honey inside the lion. And here's his attitude. His attitude is, I'm hungry. I'm tired. We've been traveling a long way. I deserve to eat this honey. 
In fact, I'm the one that killed the lion anyway, right? I mean, it wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for me. And he forgets. Remember the three laws. What were the three laws? That you're not supposed to cut your hair, that you're not supposed to drink alcohol, and you're not supposed to what? Touch anything dead. And here's a dead lion with honey inside the lion. And what, is, what does Samson think? Well, hey, man, it's no big deal. I deserve it. I killed the lion anyway. I'm hungry. I'm tired. He scoops out of that dead animal that he's not supposed to touch. And he eats the honey. And he gives some to his, to his mom and his dad. And we know that he knew what he was doing because he didn't tell his mom and dad where he got the honey. And he eats the honey out of the dead lion. Now, first of all, that's just gross, right? I mean, men are gross. All ladies say amen. But more than that is that here's this guy who's made a vow to God. And God has given him supernatural anointing and strength and calling upon his life. And he, he betrays all of that for what? A scoop full of honey. What in the world? That's dumb. Can you believe anybody would do anything like that? And yet, men, we do it all the time. We betray our God. We betray our families. We betray our friends. We betray our children for, for just a moment of, of pleasure. And here's where it comes from. It comes from this entitled attitude. But I work hard. And I deserve it. And God wants me to be happy. And isn't that the whole point of life? And I deserve to have good things. And I deserve to do what I want. And I deserve to feel good. And pastor, if you knew the way my wife treats me and a man's got needs, right? And I deserve to have my needs fulfilled. If you just knew the way they treat me at work, Pastor, I'm telling you, you know, I mean, I deserve to take off a few hours early and not clock out. I deserve to put a few personal things on my expense account. I deserve it. I work hard and they don't give me what I deserve. And so I just, I'll just do it myself. I deserve, man, my life is hard. I've had a hard Weak, man, I deserve to have that weekend out with the boys doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. And I deserve it. And it's an attitude of entitlement. Number three, look at this one. Samson has an attitude of pride. Everybody say pride. Here's what pride says. Pride says I can handle it. See, lust says I want it. Entitlement says I deserve it. Pride says I can handle it. That's exactly what Samson did. I can handle it. I'm strong. Man, I'm, look at me. Look at my muscles. I'm, I'm untouchable. I'm indestructible. I'm strong. Nobody can touch me. I can handle it. The rules don't apply to me because look how strong I am. Look at, look at this in Judges 14 and verse 10. Now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson held a feast. Everybody say a feast. As was customary for young men, young men. Now, this word feast in the Hebrew actually means a party. It actually means an occasion for drinking. That's what the word feast means there. And so here's basically what Samson does. He throws a keg party. Right? Now, remember. You remember the three rules, right? What were the three rules? Don't cut your hair. Don't touch anything dead. And what? Don't drink alcohol. But what did Samson do? Oh, I can handle it. 
Man, it's no big deal. He throws a feast. He throws an occasion for drinking and breaks the vows. And he, and he thinks, man, I can, I can do it. It's not going to bother me. It's really no big deal because I'm strong and I can handle it. And how many men have made this exact same mistake? How many men have done some things that they think it's not really any big deal? And I know it took somebody else down, but I can handle it. And it winds up handling you. Oh, I can handle those car payments, right? I can, I can handle, I mean, it's just a few beers. I can handle it. It's no big deal, and you've had problems with that before, but it's just a couple of beers, and I'm strong, and I can handle it. It's just lunch with another woman who's not my wife. I mean, we're just having lunch. It's no big deal. I'm not going to have an affair or anything. I can handle it, and before you know it, it's handled you. And that's exactly what happened with Samson. In fact, Fast forward a few years in Samson's life, and we see this man, this man with incredible strength, one of the strongest men who ever walked the face of this earth. We see this incredibly strong man. His eyes are gouged out. His his hands and his feet are in shackles and chains. He's standing in front of a room full of hundreds of people who are laughing and mocking and making fun of him because he thought, I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. Oh, pastor, why are you being so dramatic this morning? I mean, I'm not going to have my eyes gouged out. I'm not going to have chains on my hands. And you know what? That's not going to happen to you. But you know what? Something else could happen. could be even worse. I mean, you could wake up and be 60 years old looking back at a failed marriage and realize really most of that was my fault. You could be a a grandpa with grown children and grandchildren that don't even want to come and see you at Christmas time because they don't have any respect for you. Even worse than that, you could have some of those secret hidden things exposed to all your friends and everybody else and you can find yourself in a place where you have lost all of your strength and you wonder how in the world did I get here? But here's the good news this morning. How many want some good news? Good news is that doesn't have to be you. Doesn't have to happen to you. In fact, if you are a follower of Christ here this morning, the good news is you are a strong man. And not because of your own strength, but because of his strength that is inside of you. And here's the deal. Satan loves to make strong men weak, but I got good news this morning. Our God loves to make weak men strong. And there are some weak men in here this morning. If we would decide, if we would decide to surrender our weakness to God, if we would decide to humble ourselves before God, if we would decide to realize that I don't deserve it and I don't need it and, and I can't handle it, only He can handle it. If we would be people who would humble ourselves before Him, He could raise us up and make us into strong and mighty men for Him. In fact, for just a moment this morning, I just want to just take just a second. I want to look at three attitudes. We've looked at three attitudes that make strong men weak, but I want to see three attitudes that make weak men strong. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. This, the, the strong man becomes weak when he says, I want it, but the weak man becomes strong when he says, I want God. I want God. I want His will. 
I want His purposes in my life. I want His strength. I want His power. I want His wisdom. I want His Spirit. I'm going to seek God with all my heart. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of my faith. Instead of feeding my lust and my desire for this world, I'm going to feed my desire for God. I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God. I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to get in church. I'm going to get around other godly men. I'm going to pick up this book and I'm going to read it. I'm going to pick up God's word and I'm going to read it. I'm going to stand in the front of that church and make a resolution that I want God more than anything else in this world. That I will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That I will be that man of God. What makes weak men strong when they get an attitude that says I want God more than I want anything else. Number two. I deserve death. You see, strong men become weak when they say, I deserve, I deserve it. But weak men become strong when they say, I deserve death. So here's the deal, guys. We think, oh, I deserve it. I work so hard. It's all mine. Whatever. And here's the deal. We don't deserve anything. Here's what we deserve. We deserve to die. All the ladies said, amen. <laughs> don't get too happy, ladies, because you deserve death, too. In fact, that's what the scripture says in Romans 3.23. What does it say? All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says what? The wages of sin is death. The payment, the penalty for our sin. Every one of us have fallen short. Every one of us have sinned. And here's what we deserve because of our sin. Here's what we deserve. We deserve death. Oh, God, you owe me. No, 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 no. God doesn't owe us anything. In fact, we deserve death. But he has given us new life. We are sinners. We are worthy of a death and hell separated from God from God forever. But God has been so gracious to us that he has given us new life and when we I'm telling you when we realize this it changes everything it changes your attitude it changes the way you see your marriage it changes the way you see church it changes the way you see your money and your finances it changes everything when you stop thinking well I deserve this and I deserve that and I'm owed this and I'm entitled to this and I'm entitled to something else and you start realizing I don't deserve anything I'm, I'm not owed anything I'm not entitled to anything it changes your marriage instead of just I just have to be faithful to my wife. No, I want to be faithful to my wife because God has blessed me with an incredible wife. It changes the way you are as a father instead of I just have to be a good. No, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a spiritual leader. I want to go to church on Sundays. I want to lead my family. I want to serve God because he has been so good to me and he has done so much for me and I don't deserve anything but he has given me everything. It changes the way that we live. Come on, I'm getting excited. deserve death, but God has given me life. Number three, I can't handle anything without God. See, strong men become weak when they say, I can handle it. Weak men become strong when they admit, I can't handle anything without God's help. I am incapable of being a godly man without God's spirit and presence in my life, the only way I can stand on my feet is that every day I get down upon my knees 
and I cry out for help. And here's, here's what real men do. This is what being a real man, you want to be a real man? Here's what being a real man is all about. Being a real man is about admitting my weaknesses. Being a real man is about recognizing where my strength comes from in the first place. Being a real man is about being, being weak enough to confess and to reach out for help, to get an accountability partner and people around me to pray for me and help me. That's what being a real man is all about, not about how strong I can be, but about how strong he can be through me. In fact, I think about some of the strongest men in the Bible I don't think about their muscles and how physically strong they are, but here's what I think about is that these were men who admitted their weakness. And they relied upon God for strength. In fact, I think about a guy named Paul. In fact, if you look at Paul, you, I would say probably one of the most spiritually strong men who ever walked the face of this planet, and yet as strong as he was, I mean, as powerful as he was, he wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, and yet he admitted over and over and over, I am weak. I can't do it. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. And over and over. In fact, he called it a thorn in the flesh. He said, I have a thorn in my flesh. It's a weakness that I can't seem to overcome. In fact, he said, I prayed and I begged God to take it away from me. But what does God say to him in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9? But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Paul says, I'm not going to boast about how strong I am. Look at me. Look what I can do. Instead, he says, I'm going to boast in how weak I am. Why? So that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I will delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For what? For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm telling you here today, being a strong man of God is not about look at me, look how strong I am, look how many verses of the Bible I have memorized, look how many times I go to church, look how much I give in the offering, look how good I can preach or sing. No, being a strong man of God is about I will boast in my weakness. In fact, I will humble myself to the place where I realize I can't handle it. I can't do it on my own. Without Him, I am nothing. And it's in that moment of weakness when the Spirit Spirit's power and strength can come into our lives when we get this attitude of I can't handle it and I can't do it and I am only who I am because of who he is through me. I think about guys in the Bible like Peter. Man, you talk about a strong man of God. In fact, his very name meant rock. But what did Peter say about the source of his strength? He said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, he says, here's what I do. Humble myself. Everybody say, humble yourself. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. That's what it means to be a strong man of God. When we humble ourselves before God under his mighty power not in our mighty hand or in our mighty strength but in his mighty power in his mighty strength when we realize hey I want him more than I want anything else I deserve to die but he has given me life and I am grateful for that and I can be nothing and do nothing without his power and his strength working in me then we can be the strong man of God God has called us to be. God is looking for some men. I'm looking for a man who will stand in the gap. 
A man who will build a wall, a man who will be a man of courage, a man of integrity, a man of faith. The world has yet to see what God can do through even one man who is fully surrendered to him. Just like Dwight Moody, I say today, I want to be that man. I believe there are some men in this place that would rise up and say, I want to be that man. I want to be that man of God. I want to be that man of strength, of character, of integrity. I want to be the man whose heart is fully surrendered to God. I want to be a man who will be the spiritual leader of my family. I want to be the dad that I'm called to be. I want to be the husband that I'm called to be. I want to lead in my workplace. I want to lead in the church. I want to stand up. I want to be that. Thank you.